Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Our guest today, Chip Frederick, will talk Vanderbilt baseball as Chip is out in Omaha. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt wins Game 1 of the College World Series, 8-2, drops Game 2 by a 13-2 score. That sets up a winner-take-all Game 3 on Wednesday night. You can watch that at 6 Central TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha, Nebraska. Chip Frederick joins us from Omaha, where he's been there for Vanderbilt's first two games. As we do this, Chip is standing literally on third base of the old Rosenblatt. I can hear the birds in the background. Sounds like a good time out there. It is, Chris. Uh, had a good time here. First night was better than the second one, but uh, we are, uh, my kids and I are at Rosenblatt Stadium, the old field where the College World Series was for so many years, and they actually have a nice little park here. It's They've got the original home plate, and they've kind of got a pseudo uh, infield and pitching mound and some of the original seats, and it's really nice. It's, it's located where the Omaha Zoo is, and uh, they've got the first base, second base, third base, also a little um, a little bricked area there which has got a marker on it. So I'm literally sitting on third base at the old Roosevelt Stadium. But um, hoping for bigger things here, better things for the Commodores after last night. And we, I know since the last time we talked, some good things have happened. And then we kind of had last night's uh, loss uh, that we want to put in the rearview mirror. But uh, hopefully tonight we can uh, win a national title and flush all those. That'll be a distant memory, but a lot of work to do. Did you go to any games in the old Rosenblatt? I did not. I, th- that was the era of I was. Uh, I remember I was like uh, when I started paying attention to that. I mean, when you uh, play, you start playing high school baseball. You pay attention to all that, and you 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 stay up and through those are the games. And the games would go till two or three in the morning with these Omaha summer rainstorms that they'd have, and they get backed up. and the And the format was a little different then. It was double elimination, true double elimination. I think they didn't have the championship series like they do now. But uh, those are some good memories. That old mystique and in the in the neighborhood it's when you drive here to the park and where the omaha zoo is you see the old houses and it literally it was in a neighborhood the park was for years and and i remember hearing the stories of how people would park uh the the owners of houses here would have 10 12 13 cars parked in the driveway kind of like uh the old legion field in birmingham and make money on it and and uh so it was uh it was a unique setting here it was kind of on the top of the hill and they have the old foul poles. The the original foul poles are still here in the parking lot of the Omaha Zoo. Then left field and right field would kind of makes it neat. So a lot of did not see any games there, but I definitely did follow it when I was playing in high school. It's kind of the thing to do when you had all those teams, Oklahoma State and Wichita State and Stanford and Texas was always in there and Florida State and those teams kind of made it uh, an annual pilgrimage. Yeah, I've, I've been to Rosenblatt for the College World Series twice. Of course, Vanderbilt was in neither. But let's talk about atmosphere. What is it like out there right now when you're going to the games? Uh, the best way to describe it, Chris, is if um, Vanderbilt, if, if, if you were following the United States baseball team, 
and you had to play a game in Afghanistan or Iran. And I'm being, I mean, they're there. And I say that with all due respect to their fan base, but I've never seen anything like this. And I've, I've texted friends and, and uh, it is a frenzy. Uh, They have, you know, Lamona said that uh, they were going to take over Omaha and, and, and take over TD Ameritrade Park. And they've done that. It, it is, it is, this game is not a neutral site game. And it's a testament to their fans that they, they have, everyone has always known that Mississippi State travels well. This, of course, is something that they haven't experienced before playing for a national championship in this format as far as two out of three. They've been a couple years in a row and they see this as their chance. But it, you feel like, <laughs> I, and, I, and I say, I mean, it, it is just everywhere, every pitch and every moment of the game is amplified and cheered or booed or, or, uh, and it is rabid. And, and I say that again, with respect, I'm not, uh, they have earned the right to call themselves one of the best baseball uh, fan bases, but it is everywhere you go, the hotels, the zoo here at Rosenblatt, there's 50 kids playing uh, wiffle ball with their parents all in maroon and white and uh, they're pumped up and they're, they feel like this is their chance and they're going for it. So, but yeah, it, it is, I said the first night uh, I've talked with friends, it is 90% Mississippi state fans at the game. Um, you know, we're talking 24,000 people. So, and you know, I don't know who the Omaha people are cheering for. And the reason why I say that is because they're not going to the game. The Omaha locals, the tradition is you know, they, they, they save seats for the Omaha locals and they have some program. I don't know how they do it, but they get the $38 tickets and those kind of go to Omaha folks or the outfield. And, but there's, not, there's none of those people hardly at all because what they're doing is they're selling their tickets and making not only they're making the money if they made pay for the tickets, but they're making money for summer vacations, I'm sure, because the tickets, the ticket market has been and talking to a local here, local person is the and some say it's but they don't like it. I mean, you know, some people are making money, but the locals also can't a lot of them can't go to the games themselves. And then the ones who are selling them are happy about it. So there's a mixed vibe here that's going on. But it is the most inflated ticket market in College World Series history. Uh, There's tickets going tonight for the game. I bought and paid, I think, uh, $350 a piece for uh, upper level and the upper deck. But I wanted to get in the stadium. There was a frenzy at about 12.15 in the morning this morning. There was about 200 tickets that went on sale for $38 in the outfield, and they were gone in probably five minutes. I tried to buy those tickets. I was trying to buy two, fours, whatever I could buy, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it fast enough. So, the atmosphere is definitely um, maroon and white, and uh, you know they're taking the making the most of it as far as meaning advantage. But it is hyper. Uh, tension filled I'd say on every pitch and that's the best way to describe it and I said that jokingly about that but it is you feel like you're in a foreign country cheering on your team because it, it is uh it is intense and it's pretty exhausting I think I texted you that it is exhausting uh just to be uh surrounded like that but um you know hey it's the way it is and and this is something that Vanderbilt's gonna fight through how does this happen if you're Vanderbilt you've got a national brand you've got a fan base that's used to going out there you know when the College World Series is, to me, it's embarrassing for the program that Vanderbilt does not have more support out there. Yeah, I would say, if, if I were guessing, there would probably be, 
I went to a gathering last night with some, they had a local restaurant. It was really nice and, and nicely done. And, you know, you had some of your diehard fans there. And I don't think it's complacency, Chris. I'm not ready to put the blame on on just exactly what it is. But I'd say there's probably 750 to 1,000 fans. It's definitely not as what it was in, in years past. And I, you could blame it on COVID. You could blame it on, on um, you could say maybe apathy. Uh, but you could also blame it on, I know a lot of people were going to come out here and they tried to buy tickets at the last minute and you just, they didn't want to pay $450 for a ticket in the outfield. And, uh, it, it, it's just, um, it's a little bit of that, you know, this is Mississippi state team has always traveled well when they get a chance to come out here, they do so. And then what happened was, as I think I said in the previous podcast, that when that Texas Mississippi state game ended and Mississippi state was going to be in the finals, it was a mad dash and they bought everything up and the market took off on the seller side and it has not gone down since then. Because if you're an Omaha, if you have a ticket, if you're a North Carolina state fan or you had tickets to the finals, you're just going to see what you can get. And it's one thing after another, if one person buys and starts buying tickets at a premium, then it just sets the market. The digital ticket ticket market, has done this. It used to be when you had paper tickets, you would, you, you'd sit there and you have to hold them up outside the stadium and you kind of would feel it out and you could walk around, but the digital ticket market, it's panic buying and that's what's happened. But for Vanderbilt, I, I don't know, it's a little bit of apathy. The ones here making noise and, and, and um, they're appreciated, but definitely uh, less numbers of Vanderbilt fans that have been here the last two, three times. And uh, you, you, if you're Tim Corbin in, in the team, you know, you recognize it, but, you know, but you're, you're playing in a, a foreign stadium right now. You're playing in Duty Noble plus, you know, four, six, seven, eight thousand more people than you're used to. And, and, and uh, you got to kind of just put that behind you and say, you know, we are not the friendly team here. We're the team that everybody's gunning for. We're the defending champions, so to speak, which I've, which bothers me. But uh you know, this is something you're gonna have to win one baseball game, and then and to in order to shut those folks up who uh, have been yelling at you all week. Well, I think you gave a lot of reasons that make sense, but it you know it, it works both ways, right? Tickets are expensive for Mississippi State. You know, scheduling's difficult. COVID, all those things. I'm just wondering why one fan base responded the way it did. And the other did not. Now, I do wonder, too, was State's effort through the AD more organized to get tickets and fans out there? I'm just wondering, was was there anything else in there between the way that the school approached these events on each side that accounts for that? Or just Vanderbilt's been there and done that, and State has not, and, and so... You know, if you stayed here, we go. Here's our chance, right? Well, yeah, and, and there's there's some theory to that. And there's I, look, I'm guilty of of I laughingly told friends, you know, they said you're going out to the College World Series, and I said, you know, if they make it to the Championship Series, I'll get out there. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of Chip Fredericks like that who just said, you know, and that that you want to say that's apathy, but there's a lot, you know, people got a lot of stuff going on and. Now that things have opened up and they're going on vacations and they're going on different, you know, going to the beach or whatever, and you got to plan on, you know, where you're going to spend your money. So if you had that theory and you said, well, if they make it to the championship series, and I told that friends of that kind of laughingly, and they knew I was joking, like, you know, well, I only go to the championship series. And they kind of laughed and said, oh, you arrogant Vanderbilt fans, you know, you, you think you're going to make it every year. But, but if you were thinking like me, and I know there were a dozen 
two dozen people who were like me. Then you tried at the last minute, you couldn't get the tickets and you just kind of said, well, I'm not going to go. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there was anything about the way it was, it was it, the way that it's set up here with a lot of teams is you got to buy the package of tickets before you get out here. You got to buy them for every game. And it's hard. We said this. It's hard to stay out here for 10, 12 days. It's expensive. Hotel rooms are 30 percent more. Food's higher. Plane tickets are higher. Rental cars higher. And it's just, uh, you know, a lot of people are businesses maybe are just struggling or still trying to get out here. So I don't pinpoint it to anything that the way Mississippi State did it versus Vanderbilt. I just think there could be a little bit of apathy that um, you know, we've done this and I've seen it and, and, uh, we're going to watch it on TV. And we've talked about that before too, Chris, you know, it's watching it in your living room in HD and with the air conditioning, with your own food and all that, when things are skyrocketing prices is, is, um, tempting to a lot of people. This season of the podcast made possible by Jody Jones, DDS, Jody, a former Commodore football player, big Vanderbilt booster, Jody's practice is at 55 Music Square East. If you are looking for general or cosmetic dentistry, Jody is your guy. Just ask the stars. My goodness, Jody is the dentist to all kinds of music stars, movie stars, coaches, athletes. Folks know he is the guy in Nashville for your general or cosmetic dentistry needs. Someone described his office to me as more of a tooth spa than a dentist office, and that is an accurate description. It does not feel like a dentist's office feels that helps set you at ease and so does his really knowledgeable and friendly staff go see jody jones today he is the guy who made this season of the podcast possible and thank him for his support of what we do here at vandy sports well and let me give you a, a personal story here i have been to omaha what six times five times four times i guess three times as a media guy well no way to be too I, I could not go in 2011 because that's when our first child was born literally was born uh during the college world series so that was never going to happen i went in 14 went to some of it went to 15 went to some of it now i just uh, everything that i do i pay out of pocket i don't have a a travel budget or anything that anybody provides for me that rivals provide for me so if i go it's out of my pocket and I try to go and that's the way for anything that I cover right that was the way in Uber and the way that I I try to cover things I think things are always better if you can cover them in person for the most part sometimes you can pick up on things from the press box in between innings that you can't in in the stands and just get the vibe well this year the NCAA made it very clear that they were encouraging people to cover from home um there really is no media access out there. We get everything on Zoom. So I, I can't cover, really do much anything out there that I, that I can't do from here. Now, the exception would have been the craziness on Friday, right, when you're trying to count players and see what's going on. You know, unfortunately for me, I'm, I'm, I'm connected and I'm texting people out there to find out what's going on and report from it back in my living room. Um, but for me, there was no reason to go. Uh, it just was going to be a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of strain on my family if I was going to do it. But I was looking at doing it. I talked to my dad. He'd never been out there. I think people know I grew up in a household of Vanderbilt fans. Uh, I've got a brother who's a couple years younger than me. He's never been. 
I'd said something to him about, hey, why don't you guys go? I know you've never seen it for yourselves. It's pretty neat. Nothing for me because I, I don't really get anything out of it um, other than I've never been there to see them win one in the final out. That that would kind of be an experience to, to mark off the bucket list that I've never that I've never been able to do. And again, it's it's always been a financial and family thing with me to, to not be able to go the whole time. And I was going to take my son. He's been out there before and just make a family thing of it. But that's what happened is we had talked about it and nobody made any decisions. And I brought it up again um, Saturday morning when they advanced to the finals. And, um, you know, I got it. Well, we'll think about it. And I just texted them later saying, hey, uh, quit thinking about it. I'm looking at tickets and they're just too expensive. I, I suspect that happened with a lot of folks. Yeah. And, and you're this town's hurting a little bit still, Chris. I mean, the, you know, a lot of America's hurting, but this is a type of town that you know, Midwestern town, this is a huge event for Omaha. And you can imagine what it did to the city last year to not have that here. I mean, you've got the Olympic swimming trials here, which is a huge deal. You've got this event, but you know, this is a town that is, there's not a lot that goes on. I mean, you're talking about the rooms go from $495 a night or $485 a night next week to $150 a night. And, And that just tells you how much this event and the U.S. Olympic trials mean. And there's a lot of, there's not enough people to clean rooms. There's restaurants that we went to two years ago that are shut down, that little cafes and breakfast places that um, my kids uh, just loved going to. We went and it shuttered. So it's a type of town that it's not in like a Nashville where you got a lot of building going on and cranes up in the air and all that. It's, it is a town that um, probably was hit harder than most and it's still recovering and so when you say that about, you know, people watching their dollars and, and doing that, that that has a lot probably to do with some folks' decision not to come out here. But it, it definitely didn't. It just, you know, baseball is king at Mississippi State. I mean, there's other schools that are that, that they the other sports that they do. Football's big and, you know, they not, you know, probably. But baseball is from what they've built down there, it is a mania and a craze that they're proud of. And it didn't affect them at all. I mean, you probably had some people taking out some home loans or, uh, to get up here and it didn't bother them. And there's some people here who literally traveled here and are not going to the games. They're trying to get tickets any way they can. And if not, they'll just watch it in the bars and that's just what they do. Well, one more thing before we we move on from this and talk baseball, I think this is where football really hurts them. I think the size of the fan base has shrunk so much. Uh, and, and I run into it with what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, when, when your business is based on subscriptions and ads and things like that, um, and, and football is so bad for so long, that, that is the, the predominant sport in this league and in this country. And I think that you get a lot of people that get into baseball because they pick their school, Right. And so if, if they get into baseball, they're going to follow the school that they follow in football for the most part. I think that some of that has to have, have hurt them too. And I think, look, I think you saw it in basketball too before COVID took everything. I, I just think that the size of the fan base, and I've been saying it for years, is a huge issue. And I know the chancellor's out there watching me. He's got to see it too. And, and to me, that's got to really um, – you know, choose your word, alarm bells, yellow flag, whatever, 
I, I think that's something if the athletic department right now you've got to address is how do you build that back? Because I, I, I can't – look, I, I think that there are other explanations too, but I think that's a part that probably cannot be ignored. Right. Well, your, your football is your base, and you've got to grow that. You've got to get it younger, and you've got to continue to have enthusiasm about that. Clark Lee was at the function I was at last night. Jerry Stackhouse was there. They had – several other coaches uh, that coach sports um, there. I didn't see them, but I understand there were four or five coaches. So, yeah, you, you do. It, it is kind of the base. Football is king in the SEC, and you've got that's where you grow the fan base. Although, the, as I've said before, there's, there's Tennessee football fans who are Vanderbilt baseball fans because they admire the way Tim Corbin runs his program, and they like that it's the hometown baseball team, and they don't mind to have the split allegiances. But, yeah, you, you're going to have to. And I think what the – year that they had last year which could have been a, a just another omaha performance if they didn't uh, if covid didn't cancel it i think you, you had a national championship and then you had that lost year and then you had the limited seating that they had this year for most of the year i think the the crowd base is always going to be there at that 28 2700 at baseball games but you're wondering if they, if they make a next step and and have an expansion put a deck on somewhere and do that which i think is something that I don't know for a fact that Tim Corbin would want, but I think it would be something that at least try to get to where it's four, five, six thousand at games instead and then grow it that way. But I, I agree with your point. Football's gonna run. It's 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 gonna, you know, the the thing that's going to turn the dial, so to speak, as far as growing it from within and growing it from the mid state level and a state level. And that's just something you're gonna have to watch. But I agree with your points. All right, let's talk tonight. Uh, Vanderbilt wins a game one uh, with one big inning, and then the pitching was great. Uh, last night, just a, a, a crummy game all the way around. Uh, Vanderbilt went all freshmen on the mound and paid for it. And frankly, once they were down four, five, six runs, that was the right call. Save you guys. You got Kumar Rocker. Uh, I think the pitching stacks in their favor, although maybe not significantly. State's got two really good arms. It's not used. And Vanderbilt will certainly, almost certainly, see both of those kids. Uh, to, to me, it's just can they get enough hits? And I watch this offense right now. Uh, it, it doesn't look good. It hasn't looked good for a while. I don't really understand why some things haven't changed in the batting order. But what's your take on all that? Well, I mean, you've got 26 hits and 46 strikeouts in the last five games, which is, if you do the averages, it's five hits a game and eight and a half strikeouts a game. And you're not going to win many games like that uh, by doing that. And if you, and if you look at what happened in game one, I mean, how many hits in that barrage of seven runs, how many hits did we get of that? I mean, we were, there were some errors, there were some walks, a couple guys got hit and that contributed to it. So it's not like they were knocking the cover off the ball that they, you know, there were some home runs. You had the spot home runs there um here and there but it's it, you're not seeing you know bradfield's triple last night when the game was over with is pretty much one of the the, the few extra base hits they've gotten uh lately in the last three or four games so you know it, it comes down to people are going to say that <laughs> what we could say our first podcast and whenever we started talking about it as far as having a third pitcher and not having a third pitcher or not having one that's solid and solidified. And we saw that last night. He's just not ready for um, that environment those two guys were. I think Little's very talented. I think Riley has the ability to be. Those guys didn't, uh, you know, they had some fielding things that hurt that really were amplified, the error 
at third base and then the shortstop Carter Young when he had the ball get stuck in his glove and it seemed like when those things happened last night they were amplified because Mississippi State scrambled and were able to put runs on the board and this is a team that's very aggressive on the base paths they take the extra I mean balls in the dirt ball curveball in the dirt bounces in front of uh, the plate, they're gone. I mean, they, they were, were very aggressive on the base pass. They advance, they do the, uh, they get dirty and, and do the extra stuff that, that you have to do in this environment. So yeah, it's going to come down to, to really good pitchers and how on four days rest rocker does with Bednar versus three days last, uh, rest and, and how that will be, a, you know, will affect his velocity, either one of them. Vanderbilt's pin, I would think overall, with the number of arms is in their favor, but I think it's pretty close there. Bednar's, he's going to be first round or two, although late first round is what they're saying. So we just got to be able to hit, uh, out hit a, a very talented and aggressive hitting team. And we sure as heck got to play better defense behind Kumar Rocker. If we don't, it's not going to be the result that we want. And if we do, we're going to have a chance, but you're going to have to see some guys uh, step out of their shells defensively and make routine plays that last night didn't seem like we were were hamstrung one after the other with that. So it really comes down to Vanderbilt having a pen of three guys you can go to. You can go to Murphy. You know, you can go to um, Murphy in relief. You got Rocker starting, and then you have available, you know, you got McIlvain, you got Murphy, You've got Maldonado, but I think it really comes down to if they need to go to that many, it's going to be a long night. I think it's great that you have Murphy and Maldonado set up behind Rocker if he can only go four or five. And I'm sure Mississippi State's thinking the same thing um, on their end. So it's it's a matchup that I pretty much knew that I thought it was going to go three games. I felt really good after the first one. I was nervous on the first game, but I wasn't as nervous the first game as it was last night. Last night was just a eerie feeling all day that Mississippi State was going to come out and attack, and their fans were into it, and it was a blood-in-the-water kind of feeling, and, and they fed upon it, and it's going to be that way tonight. And you're going to have to see a settling uh, of heartbeat tonight by Rocker and the the entire Vanderbilt team because I'm telling you, as I said in the first few minutes of this podcast, it is a very, very hostile environment, and those guys are going to have to slow things down not give up any cheap runs by throwing errors or feeling errors and just settle into the game and make it something that they can capitalize and, and quiet the crowd. When the first inning, after the first inning, they were attacking the whistler and they were doing, and it was, and I told my kids, you know, listen to how quiet it is here after the seven run. I mean, there was hardly any cheering. And even they remarked it when I watched in the replay the next day, how quiet, uh, TD Ameritrade got after that. And that's because you take the other team out of the game, and that's what happened. So we'll just have to see if that's that can be done tonight. Do you think Maldonado throws tonight if needed? Because he's thrown 48 pitches in one outing, 51 on another, 46 in another. So that's all in the College World Series. That said, uh, there was four days rest between appearance one and two and five between two and three. This time he's doing it on two days rest as a pitcher. How do you you see the shape that his arm's in for tonight? Yeah, he goes. He goes. I, I think it's all hands on deck. The guys that you need are going to be ready. I think it's Rocker, Maldonado, Murphy in that order. That's what you would like to have. And 
maybe it doesn't get to Murphy. Um, but um, if you if you're a Vanderbilt fan and you're ahead, but I think those three guys are ready. I think uh, you know you're going to see hopefully the angry Kumar tonight guy who's determined and and uh doesn't matter how many days rest you got he because he can't you know if you're him and you look across the field and Bedner's throwing as well on three days rest I think that gives him motivation not that he's not thinking about pitching or saying well I can't do it I think he's he'll be ready and um I think Maldonado would be next and and uh Murphy would be third yeah you said where I was going next I think that you get ticked off Kumar Rocker Tonight, ticked off Kumar Rocker is always the Kumar Rocker you don't want to face. You've got the whole dynamic of the fan stuff that went down Monday night that's gotten a lot of national publicity. I won't get into that. It is what it is. It's awful. Uh, I don't think an entire fan base should be painted with that brush, but it is what it is. And I do wonder how much motivation he's going to channel uh, you know, I remember seeing him against Duke a couple years ago when they tried to step off and call timeout, and he, he was angry and yelling to their dugout. It just seemed to make him pitch better. But I have a feeling he's going to channel all of something or other uh, into being good and angry when he takes the mound. And when he does that, uh, God help you. Well, he's a guy for big games. I mean, look what he's done in big games in the past. and this is a way to put the exclamation point on his career. Not that he has to do that anymore, but uh, he's, uh, he's the guy that you want. And, uh, you know, either one of them, Jack Light or him, but I think having the ball in his hands is something that you, you couldn't set it up any better that, you know, it, you just hope that the first game one Vanderbilt shows up instead of the game two. And, and cause he's got to have, we saw the other night lighter can't do it all by himself and neither can rocker offensively. And whether that statistic of averaging five hits a game is going to happen again tonight. Um, hope not. Cause if it is, it's, you're going to see a, um, a pretty tense situation late where we're trying to scramble and scratch a run out. That's not what you want when you're, you got, he's got to have a support offensively. So I think you'll see that tonight, and if there's a guy who who, who is who has um, done well when the ball's in his hand and at big games, and I think you've said this, you've written about this, Kumar Rocker has a chance to really put the capstone on on his career. Not that he hasn't already or has to prove anything else, but what an environment for the game three deciding game for the national title. All right, a couple more things. I want to hit on State's pitching in a minute, but first, what do you do with the lineup? I keep looking out and waiting to see – Bigger changes than I see. I mean, we've seen some change at DH. I wonder if Romero hitting a home run last night, given that he's a lefty and they face uh, probably a couple right-handers. D- does he go back there, try to catch lightning in a bottle at a time where a, a long ball means exponentially more than it, it might usually, given the pitching situations? What do you think we see for the lineup? I mean, I, I think Tim, obviously, I don't mean to pick on any kids, but there's a couple guys hitting in a couple holes that get brought up again and again and again. And yet you see the lineup every day, and it's it's the same thing. Do you think he just goes with, this is what we are, this is what we're going to be, I'm going to take my chance. I send a message to kids that if I'm hitting you there, I've got confidence in there and in you, and it maybe it takes for that reason. Do you see a small tweak with Romero? What do you think we see tonight? I could, I think you would see a small tweak possibly, you know, but of course, you know, everyone's guessed and said, is Vaz going to move up? Vaz moved up, but he didn't move up at the two hole, but some people were thinking he moved up about halfway in the middle of the lineup. Um, you saw, you know, some subtle things and you wonder if, 
you know, I'm just not so sure if Carter Young's just not from the right side, especially he's just not making much contact at all. And, and, um, you know, you hate to make a change in the national championship game. Um, but sometimes, you know, Tim has proven that he'll do whatever it takes to what's best for the team. So, uh, I know he has struggled. He struggled in the field and he struggled to play, especially on the right side. Now he's, he had the big home run earlier in the tournament, but, it is sort of a world of you're playing one game here and you can't worry about what's going on. And, and you wonder if Colwick's availability, you know, Bednar is, is a righty. So you're wondering if Leneve uh, has an opportunity on that from that side. Um, so there's a couple things, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if there were a few changes. But I think at this stage, I don't think you're going to see a ton uh, given that. But, but having said that, Tim has, has proven lately, just like you said about Romero, that if, if somebody's hot, he will try to, as you said, catch lightning in a bottle and maybe just say, we're, gonna, we're just going to go with a hot hand and, and maybe switch things up here to give us a little more punch. Well, Carter Young has been the guy who's been the focus of a lot of criticism. He's, he's not hitting well. I can understand why. I think the shoulder thing had to affect him. I still trust him in the field. I know it has not gone well for him. Now, why where I get a little nervous with him defensively is on the corners. They haven't been really solid there. Carter, I think, you can't take him out of the lineup. His glove's still too good, even if it's not been what it's been. Um, I, I don't think that's something you're going to see. Yeah, he's he's a uh, he. I mean, the bad luck of having the ball stuck in his glove. Now he does he does have a very big glove. As somebody said, like a a skillet out there. You would wonder if he would if he's ever had a shorter glove, like an infielder's glove. But he has a. If you've ever seen it, Chris, I don't know if you paid attention, but it yeah, is a it's a huge big. glove. And seeing the ball get stuck there was just frustrating. And then that just you had a wave of nausea go of your yourself when that happened because you're like, what bad's gonna happen? after this happens, it was just like an omen. And sure enough, a bunch of bad happened after that. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if the lineup is the same with Carter. I don't, I don't I'm not calling for that, but I think you just got to make sure that the places in the lineup where you got guys who can make contact and move runners is that could be tweaked a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be much. All right, let's talk state. I saw Bedner and Sims up close. I was sitting just a few rows behind home plate when they pitched here, Bedner was really good. He's like, as you said, a late first rounder. Uh, he's got a good fastball, kept it really low in the zone, just made a living at the knees all night from what I remember in the game here. They got to Sims a little bit more than most teams did, uh, but Sims is the most dominant reliever this side of Kevin Copps in this league and probably in the country. Uh, he strikes out about half the guys he faces. No, Vanderbilt did hit him a little bit. And the other thing about him is he's usually a three to you know like a two to three inning guy, not like a you know three four five inning guy. So if you can get Bednar out early by some miracle, then I think your chances are improved. But your nightmare scenario is getting Bednar in the sixth or the seventh and going Sims the rest of the way, and especially if you're on the other side um, and trailing at that point. Yeah, you don't want to get to you. The dream scenario would be to get to him in like the third or fourth with something, you know, some balls hit and some errant plays, but defensively by state and some balls hit hard and you get him out of the game because of a pitch count because he did three, three days ago. But yeah, you're right. Sims, worst part is if, you, if you're if you trying to get Sims, in a, if you're Mississippi State, if the best thing for them would be if you're trying to get six outs or nine outs, they can go to him. And, and I'd be pretty confident in, in that because he's got enough rest and. You know, you're talking about a guy who could be, if he, if he comes in tonight and throws, he could be MVP type 
setting for him by the, the, the Omaha that he's had so far. I know that sometimes, well, it goes to pitcher sometimes, but, you know, you see how many times he's been out there, how many pit players he's struck in, you know, had strikeouts. I think he's, I forgot his numbers. I don't have them in front of me, of course, because I'm offsite, but he's had a good CWS and, and, when guys kind of sniff that and that they're, you know, not, you know, that they're out there for to win a title, but guys know when they've had a good series and that could be motivation for him to cap it off. So you definitely, as you said, want to get to where he's not pitching, needing six, nine outs to close it out. All right, Chip, we will have another pod after this thing is done one way or the other before we do any closing thoughts. No, just uh, it comes down to, uh, you know, one game here. And uh, you're going to look, you know, this is not a time to worry about what's happened in the past or, or, or what have you. You got to, if you're, if you're Tim Corbin and staff, they've got to get these guys to where they flushed last night. And they're just thinking about trying to get 27 outs and being one run more than Mississippi State in the scoreboard. I think it's a, it is the matchup that I like is that Kumar Rocker and his big game, and he's, it's not going to be new to him. He's pitched on that mound now, what, five times will be uh, that he's pitched on at, at, uh, at TD Ameritrade. He's comfortable there. I think he's going to be motivated. And this team just got to jump early. We got to do what we did in game one, get runners on, take advantage of any miscues, be aggressive on the base paths, and hopefully come out on top. Uh, I, I, I'm, um, as, as I said, Monday night, I felt really good. Last night, I didn't feel really good. And tonight, I just think it's a perfect scenario for this CWS. You got two first rounders going against each other, and and Vanderbilt's definitely the underdog crowd wise. And I haven't seen the betting line. I don't know what the, what it's done. Have you seen it or not? But um, I'm sure Vanderbilt might be a slight favorite. Not positive, but or could be pick them, but um, looking forward to it, and we'll just see what happens and throw it out there and, and hopefully come back with another title. Chip, uh, tell folks about your real estate business before we end the show. Yeah, I'll be real quick. Just uh, things are still hot in real estate in Nashville, and if we uh, our firm, Frederick & Clark Realty, has been around for since the 1960s, early 60s. My father, Jerry, played basketball there, and my brother, Steve, and myself, all Vanderbilt guys, and so if any of your listeners um, have any real estate needs on the buying, selling side, make sure you call us. You can check out our website at frederickandclark.com. I actually ran into some people last night at the Vanderbilt party, Chris. I forgot to say this. A lot of people listen to this podcast more than you know, so I got a lot of compliments, and I had several people who didn't say they bought their house through our company but made, made a point to tell me that they have in the past or that their favorite realtor was somebody who is uh, on our team. So appreciate those folks who came up and said hello and that they listened to our podcast and listened to your, all your podcasts too. So um, we appreciate those people with Vanderbilt ties because we definitely have them. So anything on your real estate uh, menu, as far as selling or buying your home, if you just want to find out how much your house is worth or you want to take the dive into, which is a very <laughs> talk about shark infested waters, diving into the buyer's market in Nashville, you need to have representation. you got to have somebody on your side who knows what they're doing. It is not some fly-by-night who sells their aunt or uncle or their cousin a house. you got to have a professional, and that's where we come into play. So anyone can call me at my office, 615-327-4800, and we'd be happy to talk to them about real estate. Uh, one parting thought, money line tonight. This is on DraftKings as of 12.05 on Wednesday afternoon. Vanderbilt minus 129, Mississippi State plus 105. So Vanderbilt a slight favorite. 
slide in back. game I three. Guess that's, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. So, all right, man. Well, we will talk to you soon. Hopefully, it's uh, with good news. You bet. All right. He's Chip Frederick. I'm Chris Lee. Thanks for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Should have one more of these later in the week as the College World Series wraps up.